Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. You know, we're in the middle of this very short series leading up to Easter, and it's called Unashamed. And Pastor Kerry preached a message last week off of a scripture found in Romans that says, I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And I just love the scripture that he shared because what it says to me is that there is power available in the name of Jesus, that it's not just a religion, it's not just motions that we walk through, but God actually wants to do something in your life and in mine. And it's available to everyone. Everyone. There's not a person in this room exempt from what God wants to do in your life. And so I just believe God has something in store for each of us today. And I, I know Pastor Kerry just prayed for everyone. And, you know, I would be one of those people that raised my hand and said, you know what, this week was kind of challenging. But I know that there's a God in heaven who knows exactly where each and every one of us are at. And I have to believe that it's not by accident that you're at church today, but that God wants to speak to you right where you're at if we'll just open up our hearts to him. So could we bow our heads and close our eyes? I just want to pray for us. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you that you have a plan that is greater than our plan. God, I thank you for every person who showed up this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us. God, open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive exactly what you have for us today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. It's just a fancy word that says, I agree. I'm with you. Hey, I was thinking this morning about uh, some stories. And if you've If you've ever had kids, and really even if you haven't had kids, you've probably had an experience like this where someone's explaining something amazing to you, and and you're kind of getting the picture of what they're talking about, but but then it just, you can't quite conceive it. And this happened to us when we moved to California. Everyone told us how amazing Orange County winter sunsets are. Anybody? Can I get a witness? (laughs) If you've, ever, if you've ever experienced a California winter sunset, then you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? But when we moved here, we had never really experienced this. And we live relatively close to the beach in Laguna Niguel. We live in some condos, and um, our condo doesn't have a personal view of the beach. But if you act like a creeper and walk around across the, the parking lot and kind of crawl onto someone else's back patio... Then you get this perfect view of the canyons and the ocean and uh, maybe a tiny glimpse of the beach. But when we first moved here, my kids were outside playing, and I'm sure being a little bit creepy out on someone's back porch, and, and they came running into the house, and they were saying, Mom, you have to see the sunset. It's amazing. And I'm like, okay, you know, sunsets are gorgeous no matter what. So I'm like, yeah. And they're like, it is purple, and the whole entire sky is pink, and there's every color you can imagine. And I'm listening to it, and it sounds awesome, right? But then they say these words to me. 
come and see. And so like a big creeper, I go crawling around on the back porch of my neighbors because right there on the edge of a cliff, looking out into the valley where the ocean is and the endless sky, the sun is slowly setting and the entire sky is pink and purple and orange and blue, every color you could imagine. It was absolutely amazing to experience. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about because those winter sunsets are amazing, right? But I could have just listened and to the description. My kids could have told me how awesome it was, and I might have been able to picture it in my mind. But when they said the words, come and see, and I went and experienced it for myself, it changed everything. In fact, I remember pulling out my cell phone and trying to take a picture so that everyone else could experience what I was experiencing, so I could post it on Instagram and the whole world would know how beautiful the sunset was, but even the picture didn't do it justice. It was something that you could only experience for yourself. And today, I just want to talk to you about a couple stories in the Bible where people encounter Jesus And they get to experience Jesus personally for themselves and the response that it provokes. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of John, chapter 1, verse 35 through 42. If you don't have a Bible in your hands, it's okay. There's one on your phone. And you can text the word notes to the Movement Church number, and it'll link you right into where we're at. But we're picking up in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 35 through 42. And it starts with this. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. So we're going to talk about the experience of these two disciples, okay? And he looked and he saw Jesus as he walked by. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God. So basically what John is saying, and this is John the Baptist, he's going, check it out. This is the person I've been talking about. This is the experience I've been trying to describe to you. Check it out. There he goes. And these two disciples, it provokes this curiosity in them. And so they hear him say this, and they follow Jesus. And Jesus turns, as he saw them following him, and he said to them, what are you seeking? You know, Jesus, it's funny to me he asks this question because he knows everything, right? He knew what they were doing. He knew what they were looking for. But still he asks them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? They just wanted to know, Jesus, where are you going? Because we want to go there too. And he said this to them, come and you will see. This first invitation of Jesus, come and see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed there with him for that day because it was about the 10th hour. So these two disciples had their curiosity provoked, right? John the Baptist says, that's the man I've been talking about. That's the experience I've been describing. And the disciples go, we need to find out more about him. And so they follow Jesus, and he extends the widest invitation that he could possibly extend. Come and see. What's he doing? He's saying, I'm going to open up my life to you. Come and hang out with me. Come and spend time with me. Get to know me. And I love that word see in the scripture. Because when Jesus said, come and see, when you look at the Bible in the original Greek, The word see is haraho, haraho. And it means this, to see with the eyes. It also means to see with the mind, to perceive, to know. And then it also means this, 
to become acquainted with by experience, to experience. So this wide invitation of Jesus is saying, come and see. Come and see with your eyes. Come and perceive with your mind. Know me. He's saying, experience time with me. Experience this day with me. And the disciples go. And I love this because this is a representation for every single one of us in the room today. Jesus did not live a separate private life. He didn't. He invited others into his everyday life. And that is the beauty of Christianity. It is the only religion in the entire world where the God of heaven extends an invitation to you and me to have a personal relationship with him. It is the only religion that extends in a personal relationship with the God of heaven. You see, from the beginning, God knew that this was going to be an issue for us because the Bible says that God cannot have anything to do with sin and that every single one of us have sinned. And so God, in, in his problem-solving, said, I've got to do something because I want relationship with my people. So he sent his son Jesus to walk on this earth and live a sinless life and ultimately sacrifice his life on the cross to pay the price for your sin and mine. Why? Because he was bridging the gap between us and God. Because God actually desires a personal relationship with you and me. And this is the beauty of Christianity. It's the beauty of the cross. It is the great big wide welcome invitation of Jesus. And I love that when Jesus says, come and see, he's inviting us to know him, to experience him, to understand more about him. One of my favorite scriptures is found in Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, and I like it in the message version. And it says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? I could amplify it a little bit and say, are you tired of doing it all on your own? He says this, come, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I love this part. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't let anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. It's the great, big, wide invitation of Jesus for you and me. It's not just hear about me. It's come and walk with me know me, encounter me, spend time with me, get to know how I think, get to know what I do. That's why the words say, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Why? Because Jesus is extending an invitation to us to walk in personal relationship with him and learn how to live, right? So the more time we spend in the company of Jesus, reading his words, surrounded by people who are challenging us in our faith, in times of worship where we fix our eyes on who God is, not on what we're walking through. In times of prayer where we say, God, please do something in my life. The more times we spend in company with Jesus, the more it begins to change things inside of us, right? A relationship with Jesus, it changes things. And the thing I love about that is what happened next in this scripture. Because the disciples, the two disciples that went and they followed Jesus and they spent time with Jesus, they didn't just spend time with him and experience life change for themselves. It provoked an invitation inside of them. So we look a little bit further into this scripture in John chapter 1 verse 40. 
And it says one of the disciples who went and spent time with Jesus, his name was Andrew. It says one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So what was his first response after spending time with Jesus? Here's what it says. He found his brother Simon and he said to him, we found the Messiah, which means the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Can we pause there for just one moment? An effect of spending time with Jesus, of encountering his presence, of the life change that it creates inside of you and me should invoke a response of an invitation. What did Andrew do after spending moments with Jesus and things were beginning to change inside of him? He said, I've got to go get my brother. So he immediately went to find Peter. And maybe you're in this room and you can relate a little bit to Peter. Let me tell you about what happened with him. He went and he found his brother. Actually, his name was Simon at the time. Let me skip back a minute. And he says, we found the Messiah, which means Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon. He knew him. You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. It also means stone or rock. Now, this may not mean anything to you. But I love what this means for every single one of us in the room today. Here comes Simon coming to find out something about Jesus. Maybe this is like you today showing up in church, coming to say, okay, who is this that you're talking about, Andrew? And he shows up in church, and Jesus says, I know you. And I just think he would say that to each person in the room today. I know you. It's not by accident you're here. And then he says, I'm going to change your name. So who you were is not who you're going to be. I'm going to call you Cephas, which means rock or stone. Why? Because Jesus looked past his past and he saw into his future and he said, I'm going to rename you. Why? Because later on in scripture, we see that Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, you are the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And do you know that Peter is actually the one who helped to establish the first church? Jesus looked outside of his past, he saw into his future, and he said, I'm going to rename you. And some of you need to know that when you walk through the doors of church, and when you encounter the presence of God, you need to know that it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your story was before, because God says, I'm going to rename you. Because I don't see where you're coming from. I see where you're going. And some of you need to know that there's hope in that today. You need to know that where you have felt abandoned, God is saying you're adopted. And where you felt rejected, God is saying, no, today you're accepted. There is a word for every single person in this room today that no matter where you have been, God sees where you're going and he calls you by name. I love that in the scripture. This is what happens when we encounter Jesus, right? I love it. And you know, the thing about encountering God is that it just... It should provoke this excitement in us to talk about it, shouldn't it? Now, I know you've heard Pastor Kerry and I preach for a long time, those of you who've been here for a while. And I know we retell some of the same stories, and you're just going to have to get used to it. They're all the stories I've got. But here's the thing. We are foodies. You guys know that, right? Okay, if you're new today, guess what? We can tell you any restaurant in Orange County to go eat at. I'm telling you, we know the best restaurants, the best food, the best service, and I love to talk about it. In fact, I have a new one for all of you today, just so you're not bored by the old ones. Pizza Port, Schwack, La Serena. I've got some new ones for you. You ready? North. It is the most incredible Italian restaurant. 
It's in Irvine. And if you haven't been there, you need to go. And here's the reason why. They have truffle cheese bread that will melt in your mouth. I'm telling you, you got to go try the truffle cheese bread at North. Here's the thing. I can't help but talk about it because it's that good. And I know that when you try that truffle cheese, truffle cheese bread, it's going to change your life. I know it. So I got to tell you about it, right? But here's where I'm really trying to get. When we get excited about something, when we experience something great, it should provoke an invitation where we go, I have to tell somebody about how amazing this is. I can't keep it to myself. I've got to tell somebody. That's why the message that was preached last week, Pastor Kerry spoke from Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And it said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Right? We can't keep to ourselves our experience with Jesus. That personal encounter that we can have with God, we can't keep it to ourselves. Why? Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The welcome is wide. The invitation is huge. But we have this responsibility to give it, right? And I know that there might be people in the room, even today, who you say, you know, I don't really understand the idea of a personal encounter with Jesus. I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. I'm just not religious. You know, in fact, I handed out one of our Easter invitations to someone uh, in my neighborhood just last week. And they said, oh, thanks, but I'm not religious. And I said, great, neither am I. This is awesome. Why? Because I don't think a relationship with Jesus has anything to do with religion. It's not motions that we walk through and things that we do and don't do. No, a relationship with Jesus is when we actually encounter his power at work in our life. When we are broken and he makes us whole. When we are grieving and he comforts our soul. When we're weak and he helps us become strong. That's the power of God available to all who believe. And you know, there's a woman in the Bible that I like to talk about, and it's found in John chapter 4, and maybe you've heard the story. It's called The Woman at the Well. Maybe you can relate to this woman. I think that she's probably relatable to a lot of us. She would consider herself not religious. And in John chapter 4, we find that Jesus is walking through Samaria. And let me just kind of give you some backstory. The Samaritans and the Jews had nothing to do with each other. In fact, the Jews would kind of turn up their noses at the Samaritans. They thought they were better than them, more religious than them. And so Jesus, who is a Jew, is walking through Samaria, and he pauses at this well. And he stops at this well, and he is taking a break because he's tired. And I don't know, how many of you are glad to know that even Jesus got tired? I am. (laughs) And so he pauses, and he takes a break at this well. And this woman comes, and it says she comes at high noon in the middle of the day to fetch water. And here's the thing you need to know about that. The reason she came at noon to fetch water from the well is because she couldn't come in the morning with all of the rest of the women. She couldn't come because she was an outcast. She couldn't come because her past had marked her so severely that whenever she encountered the people from her village, she was judged and scorned. She was an outcast. She was rejected. She was so full of shame and hurt. I think she'd been burned out on religion. 
And so she has to come in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, all by herself, feeling alone and isolated, rejected and hurt, the baggage of her past just weighing heavy on her heart. Maybe some of you can identify with this woman today. And she comes to the well, and here is this man sitting at the well, and he speaks to her. He says, can you draw me a cup of water? And she's shocked. And she's shocked for two reasons. One, because men did not speak to women at that time, unless they were married to them. So she is like, who is this man that is speaking to me? And two, she knows he's a Jew. And Jews do not speak to Samaritans. And so this woman is just a little bit shocked and taken back. And she's looking at him and she's like, why would you ask me for a drink of water? And he says, well, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink of water. And then she gets a little bit snarky with him. She has an attitude, this woman. You can tell she's walked through some stuff in her life and she's kind of a little bit sarcastic and has her walls up. And she's like, me, ask you for a drink of water. You have nothing to draw water with. Who do you think you are? And Jesus is like, you would ask me for a drink of water, and I would give you a water. You would never thirst again. And all of a sudden, her hope begins to grow, right? She begins to think, if that's for real, and I never have to come back to this well to draw water again, then I don't have to face the shame, and I wouldn't have to face the regret, and I wouldn't have to be reminded every single day of the hurt and the pain that I've walked through. She begins to get curious that there's something more. And then Jesus shows her that he knows her. Remember, he knows you. Just like he knew Peter when he walked in and said, you're Simon, son of John. He knew her. He said, go and fetch your husband. And she said, shamefully, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, I know. You have had five. And the one you're with right now is not your husband. How does he know? She's blown away. How does he know this information about her? How could he possibly know her past? And he knows her story, but yet he's still speaking to her? What? And so she begins to get curious, and she perceives that he's a prophet, and so she she shares her experience with him of religion and shares what she knows about religion, and, and she says that we've been told that we have to worship if we worship in Jerusalem. And he says, there's coming a day where, you're, where you will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And she says to him in John chapter 4, verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will explain these things to us. You see, the woman expressed this hope that I think is deep inside of every single one of us, deep inside of humanity. I know that he's coming. I know there must be hope, but what she didn't recognize is he was standing right in her midst. And he says to her, I am he. And then in verse 27, it says, just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking to a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? I think they had just gotten used to Jesus breaking all the rules, right? And then the woman leaves her water jug The whole reason she came to the well, the whole mission that she was on, she stops everything. She leaves her water jug, and it says this, that she went into the town, and she said to the people, are you ready? Come and see. Come and see. See the man that told me everything I ever did. And they went out of the town and were coming to him. You see, this woman, maybe you can relate to her. She had a past She had a story. She had regret. 
a lot of shame. She'd been burnt out on religion. She had walked through some things that that she couldn't even explain. But she had this personal encounter with Jesus. And she realized that he knew her. And not only did he know her, he accepted her. He spoke to her. He loved her just right in that moment. And what did she do with that? She couldn't keep it to herself. Her response was immediately, I've got to go and tell others. And she went into the city to the very people who had rejected her, the very people who she had felt judged by, the very people who had wounded her so deeply. And she said, come and see. You've got to experience this for yourself. I love that when we actually have a personal encounter with Jesus and we realize that no matter who we were before, that he speaks to our future and calls us who we're supposed to be. When we have that encounter with Jesus, it provokes this response of an invitation. Come and see. Going back into John chapter 1, verse 43 through 45, we look at another person who encountered Jesus. His name was Philip. And it says this. This is after the disciples came to Jesus and after Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Then Jesus goes walking. And it says the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and he said to him, follow me. That's it. And he did. Very simple, huh? Simple. You guys are very quiet today. Simple invitation, isn't it? He just says, follow me. And Philip did. You know, I think sometimes in the church we feel like if we don't have some huge dramatic story of our coming to Jesus moment, that our story doesn't mean anything. And then we just kind of grow silent and keep it to ourselves like, well, my story is really not that big of a deal. I don't have anything to share or to say. But Philip, Jesus says, follow me. And he did. It was simple. No dramatics, no issues. He just followed Jesus. But do you know what it did? It provoked a response. Because do you know what he did right after that in verse 45? It says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. See, Philip followed Jesus, and he didn't have some crazy story like the woman at the well. But he chose to follow Jesus, and it provoked an invitation. And he went straight to his friend Nathanael, and he said, We found him. We found him. And then Nathaniel says to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can any, you feel the cynicism in Nathaniel's response. I don't know if what you're telling me is true. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And with that statement, Nathaniel prejudices himself against Jesus. Right there in that moment, he's asking questions. Everybody look here. The band's coming up. They're going to play a song in a minute. Don't worry about them. Nathaniel has this question. Here Philip is. He's telling him about Jesus. And Nathaniel's like, I don't know. I don't know. But Philip says to him, not let me prove it to you. Let me show you why he's real. I can tell you more. I can tell you what the scripture says. No. Philip just simply extends an invitation. And he says, come and see. Come and see. So Nathaniel goes. Philip invites Nathaniel to come and see, to see with his eyes, to perceive with his mind, to experience for himself who Jesus is. And so Nathaniel begins to proceed to Jesus. He begins to go to Jesus. And as he goes, Jesus recognizes him. And he says this, it's John. 
Chapter 1. Verse, let me get there. Yep. 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Now listen to me, church. Jesus knew Nathanael. When Nathanael walked into the room, he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. I need you to understand something. When you walk into the room and you open your heart to Jesus, you need to know he knows you. He knows you. He knew Simon. He knew the woman at the well. He knows you. And he calls you by name. And all of a sudden, Nathaniel says, how? How do you know me? He's still cynical. He's still questioning. He's still wondering, is this really real? And I just got to tell you, I think there's some people at church today who maybe you've been coming through the doors of the church for quite some time, and you've been worshiping during worship, and you've been listening to the word that's taught, and, and you believe in God, but that, that realness of who he is, him being a personal God that wants to have relationship with you, you've just kind of had your walls up a little bit. Maybe just a little bit cynical like Nathaniel, like prove it to me. Show me you're real. And so here's Nathaniel, and he says, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Let me tell you what this means. Nathaniel could have been under a literal fig tree, sitting and meditating on the scripture. But back in that time, rabbis used to describe meditating on the scripture as being under the fig tree. So what Jesus is actually saying to Nathaniel here is, I know you've been studying about me. I know you've been reading the scriptures. I know you want to know more. But what I want to show you is bigger than something you can rationalize out. It's bigger than just something you read. I want real relationship with you. And Nathaniel answers him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus then teases him a little, I think. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, now you believe? But don't, don't we all do that sometimes with God? We wait for him to just prove it to us. Show me, God. Show me you're real. And we have our walls and our defenses up like, I don't know. When I see you answer that one big prayer, when I encounter real healing in my body, when something happens that's bigger than I can understand, then I'll believe in you. But I love that Jesus is so patient with us. He's patient with our journey to believe. And he says to Nathaniel, listen, you'll see greater things than these. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Listen, he's speaking to Nathaniel right where he was at, probably in the book of the Bible that he was actually studying. And he's saying, you're going to see even greater things than this. And I just feel, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift gears a little bit here because I just feel like there might be some people in the room who maybe walked into church today with kind of a prove-it-to-me attitude. Show me if this is real. Maybe it's your first time here and you've been wrestling with this faith thing and even this message, you kind of are going, I don't know, God. But I just believe that God's extending this open invitation to you today. Come and see. 
Come and see. See with your eyes. Perceive with your mind. Encounter and experience for yourself what a relationship with Jesus can actually do. Because it changes things. It changes your name. It says you're not who you were yesterday. You are who I see you becoming. It changes things. I want to pray for us for just a moment. And I'm going to ask you just close your eyes and bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I come before you right now. God, I thank you that your name is above all names. That your name is greater than any situation that we face. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for those who walked through the doors of church today dealing with massive heartache. God, I thank you that your word declares that you are close to the brokenhearted. God, that you are our comforter and our strength. God, I pray for those who are battling such real anxiety and stress. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would bring peace in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that your word declares when we fix our eyes on you, you will keep us at perfect peace. God, I pray for those who are struggling financially, for those who are battling addiction, for those who are saying, I feel like giving up, for those who are struggling with belief. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that in this place today, you would begin to increase our faith. God, to know that you are who you say you are and you can do what you say you can do. So God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now look at me for a minute. I may not be able to see your faces, but you can see mine. I want you to listen. The great, big, wide, open invitation of Jesus is available to every single one of us. And he will meet you right where you are. In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of doubt, in the midst of stress, God will meet you right where you are if you'll allow him. But then we have a responsibility. It can't stop with just us. Because when you encounter Jesus, when he does something in your life, you can't help but tell people about it. You know that there is no greater picture of heaven on earth than the church. Genesis 28, 17 says, how awesome is this place? There is none other than the house of God, for it is the gateway to heaven. You see, we have this responsibility, not just to receive for ourselves, but to go and tell others. And you don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't have to convince anybody to believe. You just have to say, come and see. Come and see. And there's no greater place to invite them to come and see than the house of God, the church. How awesome is this place? There is none other than the house of God because it is like the gateway to heaven. There's a picture that happens in the church where lives are restored, where broken hearts are healed, where people who are weak find strength, where hope is restored. This is the church. And we just throw out the invitation. Come and see. We've got a responsibility, church. 
We've got a task ahead of us. Easter's coming, and you know someone who needs to be in this place. You know someone who needs the hope that is found in Jesus. And maybe you're here today, and that's you. I don't think it's by accident that you're here. I think God was throwing open a great big invitation just for you. Come and see. He knows you. He knows everything you've walked through. Maybe you're here today and you've been running from God, trying to do things on your own, and you're exhausted. And maybe you're here today and you've never started in a relationship with God. But there's something inside of you that goes, I need this. I don't fully understand it, but I know I need it. And the scripture is so wonderful because God threw open this great big wide welcome when Jesus gave his life on the cross for you and me. He bridged the gap between us and God so that we could have relationship with him. And it's as simple as saying, God, I believe. And if you're here today and you need to make a decision to surrender your life to God, I want to give you that opportunity. So if everyone in the room just one last time would bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you, if you've been running from God, maybe you just need to take that first step in a relationship with him. I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I'm not going to ask you to pray it out loud, and I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat, but just right in your seat between you and God, if you need to make a decision today to surrender your life to him, to stop trying to do it all on your own, but to allow him to be a part Would you just pray this prayer with me in your own heart, in your own mind? Dear God, I know that I've sinned. And I ask you to forgive me. I've tried to do it on my own, but I'm done with that. I thank you for sending Jesus as the payment for my sin. And today, I choose to surrender my life to you. And all around this room, If that's you, in your own heart, between you and God, just say these simple words. Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.